We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A dot com. Thanks for listening. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, I am so excited to be at Hope Church this morning. Are you excited? Yeah. I love hearing that. You may be seated. Uh, That was my daddy. Uh, That was my daddy. And uh, I could not be more grateful to have the amazing parents that I have. Um, My parents are part of our partner team here at Hope Church. And I just want to give a shout out to every partner who comes in early every Sunday every single Sunday, and makes Hope Church come alive in Seaford Middle School. It's amazing. It's amazing. So um, I am Pastor Emma Adams. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Church. And no, I don't do everything every Sunday. So (laughs) you won't see me up here singing and preaching every week. Um, But this opportunity I had this morning was too sweet to miss. We are in our second week in our series, Um, and uh, last week we talked about how we want you to know God, and part of our DNA here at Hope Church is um, that we want you to know God, we want you to find freedom, we want you to discover your purpose so that you can in turn make a difference. So today we're going to be talking about all the ways that you can find freedom Five foot three, deep brown skin, small little woman. She took two men scared to death. And in the dark of night, with hounds and slave masters behind them, they ran through the woods. Harriet Tubman stopped, motioned for the men following her to stop. And she listened. And she quickly led them off to a stream where they crossed this very cold, frozen stream. Just in time. Because the hounds couldn't pick up their scent. In that moment, Harriet Tubman listened to the voice of God. Harriet Tubman had grown up memorizing scripture in long portions because she could neither read nor write, but she would listen. And she memorized Bible stories and verses. And when it came time for God to use her in a mighty way, all she did was listen, was listen. Harriet was an amazing woman. And over the next 11 years, She would go on about 13 rescue missions. Not only did she secure her own freedom, she went back for other people. She personally walked 70 people to freedom. And then she took another role and became the first woman to lead an army exhibition to free 700 slaves. She led fearlessly. Not bad for a woman who could not read or write. 
for a little five foot three woman who had undergone such mistreatment by her masters. But for Harriet, freedom started with and was led by the Spirit of God. Speaking to her heart and leading her not just to personal freedom, but for freedom for many. Finding freedom, though, is not always easy. She had to fight for it. Would you agree that she had to fight for every inch of ground? She had to fight to get to the north. She had to leave the familiar, what she'd grown up knowing, and she had to listen for the voice of God to lead her in the dark. And many of us feel lost in the woods. I don't know what you brought in here with you, but some of us feel stuck between the hell we left and the freedom we crave. Some of us feel like we are just lost. And for you, slavery may be an addiction. It may be an addiction, whether it's food or fentanyl. It could be a substance that's overwhelming your life and causing you to be sick. Or maybe you're addicted to people's popular opinion. Anybody a people pleaser? Come on. I am. It's hard. It's hard. We want to make everybody happy. We are so addicted to the praise of people and we will do just about anything to gain their approval. And that's slavery. Or maybe for you, your greed has overwhelmed you. And it might not look like greed to you. When I say that to you, you're like, oh, that's not me. Oh, but it probably is when you can't break away from wanting bigger and better and more. And you fight and struggle to get more because you keep watching people on Instagram or TikTok with their more. Do you know how many times I will get off of Instagram and I will go, oh my gosh, my house, my car, my skin, my clothes. Man, because I just want more. And we always want just a little bit more than our neighbor has. Like just a little bit, right? Just a little newer car, just a little bit more. And we can be a slave. So whatever keeps you feeling stuck and broken and depressed and anxious and hopeless or angry, I have good news for you this morning. Freedom is coming. Freedom is coming and you don't have to stay chained. As a matter of fact, Paul said the word of God is unchained. That means it is free so that you can be free. Now, freedom, though, is a journey. And I want you to understand that it's a journey. And while I know and believe that God can and will break some chains off of us in a moment of time, I have been delivered from some of my addictions in my life in a moment of time. God stepped in and just took it from me. But there are other addictions in my life that I have had to fight my way to get away from. And freedom, more often than not, is a journey. And it feels like one that takes place in the dark of night, in a cold woods, and you can't see, and you're trying to follow, and you hear hell behind you, and you can't see heaven before you, and you don't know what to do. And freedom is calling. And here's the good news. Freedom's guide is Jesus. Freedom's guide is Jesus. Now, we're going to tap into a little bit of scripture this morning, and I want to give you some context. Jesus is at the temple. He spent all morning teaching and preaching, and the Pharisees, being snotty brats that they are, decided to bring a woman who they claim was caught in adultery. Now, how they knew they were in adultery, I mean, do you wait outside of windows? I mean, what y'all doing? Peep Tom's? I don't know what they were doing, but 
they pulled her up, and Jesus had declared that she was free. He said, now, where are your accusers? Because he told them, basically, y'all are a bunch of hypocrites. I said, where are your accusers? She said, I don't know. They left. She said, well, I don't condemn you either, but go and leave your life of sin. Then we move into a scripture where he turns to the frustrated Pharisees and to the people around him that had been listening to his message. And he says, there is a consequence for living as slaves to sin. He says to them, I told you that you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. He's telling them, I am your only path to freedom. I am the only one who can lead you out of sin. And some began to believe him. And when he saw in their hearts that they began to believe him, he said to them this, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you. He said, facts, all cap. That was for my younger folks. Yeah, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, then you're free indeed. Jesus said the first point of freedom is hold to my teaching. Now, holding on to Jesus' teaching is not just stopping at knowing God. We want you to know God, but it doesn't stop there. It is an ongoing relationship. Actively obeying his teaching moves us beyond accepting into believing and obeying. It has to go beyond just knowing. It has to be obedience. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus said. I am. No one can come through the Father except through Jesus. But think about what he says there. If there's a progression. He said, I am the way. Knowing the truth, being in an ongoing relationship with Jesus in order to believe, um, believe that he is, is God is one thing. But in order to follow him, you got to know the truth, obey the truth. You see, his hand is the one we hold that leads us into an understanding and truth about ourselves. When you're following Jesus, you're going to get a new revelation about yourself and the sin in your life. It's a progress that happens over time. We call that sanctification. But there should be a difference in your life. I said it last week. If you are the same before you accepted Jesus as you are after, then something's not quite cooking right, okay? We're going to have to look at that again. You might have to rethink, like we talked about last week, what you know about God. You see, the slaves that followed Harriet Tubman had, had one thing. They had to only do one thing to reach freedom. They had to follow. They had to listen to what Harriet said. And she didn't mess around. She carried a gun. 
You know what she said? If one of these dudes chickened out on me, she would hold a gun to him and said, either you run or I kill you because you're not turning us all in. So get it together. Harriet wasn't playing. Jesus is a little more gentle than that. Thank you, right? Jesus doesn't hold a gun to us. He gives us the freedom to follow him. But here's the, here's the second point I want to make this morning. Freedom's guide is Jesus, but freedom is better together. Freedom is so much better together. You see, freedom was never meant to be achieved or lived out in isolation. That's why Christ gave us the church. That's why we exist together. Freedom is better when we pursue it together. People who um, want to get healthy and get fit, the best way to do that is to get a partner who's in it with you. Because two are better than one. We're going to cover that in just a minute. You see, you're going to need people to help you on your journey to freedom. Those men and those 70 slaves needed Harriet. They needed her, but they also needed one another. They needed to know that they were not alone. You see, Harriet took groups. She took groups. Now listen, I, I'm not the most athletic person on the planet, okay? I don't run fast by any means, and it's getting worse the older I get. There was a point in time when I thought I was doing okay. No, not anymore. However, I have some amazing friends. And we decided to, in honor of our friend Jared who passed away, to run the Delmarva Dirt Dash. Now, I had run this by myself before, and I wasn't that fast. But because my friends were with me and encouraged me and challenged me, y'all, I booked it. We were running and climbing and scrambling through mud and it smelled horrible, but you know what? My friends were with me. And when one of us would get tired, the other one would cheer us on. Oh, come on, you can do it. Just one put out. And when you're climbing up something and you're slippery in mud and you're like, oh my gosh. This is insane. All right, put your right foot up. Put your left foot up. They would tell us what to do. They would guide us over obstacles. Our team was incredible, and we all finished the race because we were better together. Because I'm telling you, without these ladies, I probably wouldn't be like, yo, I'm going to walk around the obstacles. Uh, I'm just going to make it to the end. But because I knew they were watching me and encouraging me and with me, I wanted to do my very best. The same is true when we're trying to find freedom in our spiritual lives. We need friends and we want you to find freedom here at Hope. And that's why we believe the best way to do it is in a small group. Come on, somebody. Who's in a small group? Whoop! Come on. Small groups are our place to meet with people just like us on journeys and encourage one another in freedom. And here at Hope Church, we have um, a website you can go to and find all of our groups. It's on um, hopedelmarva.com. And then if you go to Next Steps, you can go to Groups. You can find a group that suits you, okay? If you have teenagers, we have a group for them. If you are a woman, y'all be at my house on Wednesday nights. We have a group. Men, they have a group. If you're a married couple, there's a group for that. There is a group for everything. 
So sign up. All you have to do is go online and sign up, and you don't have to do life and loan. I'm in a group. Why am I in a group? Not just because I'm leading it. Because I need my brothers and sisters in Christ to come around me and speak truth to me. Because I want to be accountable too. I need um, my friend Hartley to come and say, yo, I don't know what you're thinking, but you can't just run around saying stuff like that. (laughs) Keep me honest. She helps me be a better parent. And I need that in my life. Find you a group and stick with it. Listen, we need Christian friends for emotional and practical and spiritual support through every hardship in life. And if we nurture relationships with other believers, we will always have someone to help us stay on track. And this is true in every community. Why do you think 12 Steps was invented? Because it's better together. Freedom is found better together. And God's people are not meant to live in isolation. We were not meant to be alone. That's why Hebrews tells us, do not neglect the gathering of yourselves together. Don't neglect it. In other words, get your butt in church. Get to your group. In Acts, we see that all believed were together and had things in common. And in the earliest days of the church, it says that Christians worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Man, eating a meal with my people is my thing. It is the best. And in pursuit of wisdom and learning, Solomon discovered that there are few things in life that hold more value than enduring friendships. And Solomon, reflecting on the importance of companionship and the benefits of people working together, he stated this. He said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. You see, Solomon agrees that it is not good for a man to be alone. That was from the beginning. We were never meant to be alone. Two are better than one because, he goes on to say, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Can I get an amen? Listen. Most people overdose where? Alone. Most people fall in back into a porn addiction alone. Most people will overeat meals. This is proven. You are more likely to not overeat at a meal if you are sitting down and eating with other people because you're visually watching them eat helps your mind process that you're eating and you will literally eat less calories. Isn't that crazy? Like we're better together, better together. Listen, when we stumble in our spiritual walk and we are so down with emotional burdens, it is so vital to have a friend or a mentor who can come alongside us and help to restore us to wholeness. In our relationship with God, Paul told the Galatians this, he said, dear brothers and sisters, if, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently humbly help that person back onto the right path. It doesn't say blast them on Insta. It doesn't say tell their business to all your friends. It says gently, humbly, right? 
And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens in this way. You obey the law of Christ. If you ever spent a night out camping in a freezing tent, you know that two are better than one. Because I'm telling you right now, and, and the Bible also agrees with this, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Right? Two are better than one. He goes on to say a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two standing back to back can conquer. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad Kylie's got my back. And I hope you have somebody like Kylie and Hartley and Carmen and all of our friends in our group that have my back. It goes on to say that three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So we know that Jesus is our guide. We know we can't do it alone. So number three. Number three. Freedom is lost when you look back and when you turn back. When we follow Jesus into freedom, we journey with others into greater degrees of freedom. Uh, there is so much more to gain. And so many of you have walked away. I have seen you walk away from life, uh, from life-controlling addictions. So many of you have walked away through the power of God. And so many of you have turned your back on sexual immorality. You've turned your back on drugs, you turn your back on addiction, you turn your back on greed, you turn your back on all these things. I have watched you guys walk away from all of that. And I want to celebrate that. That's amazing. It's so good. It's so powerful. It's so freeing. But I would not be a good pastor if I did not tell you that there will be a temptation to go back. There will be a, a temptation to turn around and look back and we're going to look into a story around an amazing man named Stephen. And we're going to look at the last sermon he ever preached. This is a long passage, and I apologize, but you can read along with me on the screen so you're not completely bored. All right. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition rose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen as it was called. I love that it adds that, as it was called, right? Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as print, uh, the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. The synagogue of freedmen. Okay, so this is a group of men who were Jews or converts to Judaism that had come out of slavery, they had literally either worked hard enough to pay their way out. Back in that culture, you could actually buy your way out. Or they had somehow or another gained their freedom, or they were the children of slaves who were freed. Okay? They had been out of slavery. They were freed men who were so religiously blind that they were still slaves. But it says, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. 
Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. And they seized Stephen and they brought him before the Sanhedrin, which is the high court. You guys remember uh, if you've ever heard of Jesus and you've heard of his story. He was also brought before the Sanhedrin. And they did what they did to Jesus. They're doing it again. They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, but when they saw his face, it was like the face of an angel. What does that mean? It means that Stephen had perfect peace. I don't know if you've ever been in court. I had to go for a ticket. Don't judge. I was not at perfect peace in front of the judge. But Stephen was at perfect peace. And then Stephen did something, or Stephen did something. You can call him whatever you want. He doesn't mind. Um, started to preach. I love it. He, starting with Adam, begins to remind them how God had promised that they would go to a land of freedom. Abraham got called to a new land. Land flowing with milk and honey and provision and freedom. And he highlighted how he chose Moses and how he came onto the scene to bring freedom to the enslaved Israelites. Right? He even entrusted Moses with the promise that God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. Moses prophesied that Jesus was coming. Stephen is pointing all of this out to them. And he goes on to highlight this. Stephen says, but our ancestors refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. The Israelites spent 40 years seeing miracles. 40 years eating food that fell from the dang sky. Okay? They drank water that came out of a rock. Their sandals did not wear out. Their clothes did not shred in the wilderness. They got parted a sea in front of their eyes. And led them on dry ground. Not damp, moist, dry ground. More than once. Drowned an entire Egyptian army behind them in the same water they just crossed. They saw all this. And yet they grew discontent with God's provision for them. And you know what they said? We missed the fish and the garlic and the cucumbers that we had in Egypt. If we would have just left there, we would have been fine. Seriously. We just, we just want to go back. Can I tell you something? Man, the enemy will absolutely get in your face, ears, and eyes 
about the fact that there was something good back there, he will remind you of what it felt like, the high. He will remind you of all the good stuff back there in that other relationship that was inappropriate. He reminds you how green the grass was. He will remind you how wonderful you felt. He will remind you of all of that. He will remind you of the fish and the garlic and the cucumbers. But he will neglect to remind you about the whip at your back. He will neglect to remind you how you were enslaved and mistreated and all the bricks you had to lay. He will, he will not remind you about coming down from the high. He just wants you to remember going up. Not coming down. He won't tell you the whole picture. He's going to give you the Instagram reel of how wonderful it was so that you say, well, at least when I was blank, man, I had stuff. Well, at least when I was back there, I could do what I want. At least when I was back there, I could have all the deliciousness of that sin life. But he will never remind you of what came with it. Because he wants you to go back. He wants you to go back in Egypt. He wants you to go back into slavery. He doesn't want you to be free. Because he's never wanted you to have a relationship with God. He's always been there trying to separate. And this is what, what Stephen says. He says, you stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. And you are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. Here's that word again. Obedience. Obedience. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. Don't let the enemy try to lie to you and tell you that it was so much better back in Egypt. It was not. Don't let the enemy come at you with lies. Because not only do we want you to find freedom, we want you to stay free. We want you to walk in greater levels of freedom as you move through your journey in life. It is not enough to just... Really? Ah, there we go. It is, it is more than that. You have to keep free. So some of us keep looking back. And this is what it says in Galatians. This is what Paul says. He said, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't go back. Don't turn back. If you're in this room and you are just getting out of addiction, don't go back. Get in a group. Find friends who are walking this clean journey with you. If you are breaking free from sexual immorality, find people who you can confide in and say, yo, I'm struggling. And you know what, people? When you hear somebody come to you and say, man, I'm struggling with porn addiction, stop acting shocked. <laughs> Go back and listen to Alfie's sermon on porn and you'll, you'll know why. Because 
it's a problem for everybody. Men, women, everybody, okay? But it is for freedom that you have been set free. So don't look back. Some of you keep trying to do it alone. And some of you are too afraid to follow. Wherever you find yourself, I want you to know that freedom is possible. You can find freedom. And I can't promise you three easy steps. It's not easy, okay? I'm not going to lie to you. But you don't have to do it alone. Here's three things I want you to remember. Follow the guide. He will lead you out. You can trust him. He is much more powerful than you could know. And he is the only one who can lead you out against the enemy because he's the only one who died and came back and defeated death, hell, and the grave. And the same power that raised Christ from the grave is available for you. Number two, don't go alone. The journey will be so much better together. Number three, don't look back. Greater levels of freedom are ahead. So today, if you're in here and you have never decided to follow Jesus, and maybe you're just understanding that Jesus is the way, I want to pray with you. I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And I, I have this amazing uh, QR code on the screen that you will be able to hit with your phone. And you can just let us know that you're saying yes to Jesus today. But I want to pray with you. If that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time, I really, really want to know. Why? Because I want to pray for you because the enemy is going to begin to tell you that it's way better without Jesus. And number two, I want to make sure that you have connection to group and to, to relationships that can help you grow in your faith. So I'm going to pray for you and I want you to pray with me and uh, kind of repeat after me for those of you who are around. And you could just pray this in your heart. Uh, would you guys just uh, bow your head and close your eyes? And while we're praying, I just want you to think on Jesus. God, I, I believe today that you are the way and the truth and the life. And I'm not going to get freedom without you. So I'm going to say yes to you today, Jesus. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say, that's me. I want to come back. I want to come home to you, Jesus. I want to have a relationship with you that leads me to freedom. If that's you, if every, every head bowed and eye closed, I would love for you to go ahead and text, that's me to 94,000. If you're online and praying with us online, text, that's me to 94,000. If you're in-house, scan that QR code. Or you can even check a box on your, your uh, connection card to let us know that you made a decision. If that's you, I want you to connect with Jesus, but I want to connect with you too. Uh, this morning, if you are here in the house and, and you are local to us, uh, you don't have to go it alone. And we have groups. So if you go online, I want you to take a look and uh, find a group that you can connect with. You can sign up right there on the website. Groups, don't go it alone. Now, if you're here today and you need to reconnect to God because you've just slipping, you'd be slipping and tripping, okay? It's a rap song. It's all right if you don't know it. Um, but listen, I want you to reconnect to God today. So I want to give you the opportunity to recommit your life to him. I want you to pray with me a prayer saying, I'm back. 
And if that's you and you're saying, I'm back, uh, you can text, I'm back to 94,000, or you can scan this QR code on the screen. But would you pray with me? God, I'm back. I'm tired of trying to find my way through the woods by myself. I need you, Jesus, and I need freedom. I want to recommit my life to you this morning, God. I want to, I want to find freedom, and I know that it's only with you. Would you bring me back? Would you help me to come home? And I will give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.